in the last episode, we talked about making it your goal to bless, not impress. And as we talk about business today, I think what you're going to find is a lot of our busyness is related to our desire to impress other people. I can't wait for you to hear what's in this episode. Welcome to Compared to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. But God, in His grace, He showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you need to know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four elementary age kids. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and a blogger at comparedtowho.me. And you just may have seen my epic bake fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and tell a friend about it. there. Welcome to the Compared to Who podcast. This is Heather Creekmore, and I'm glad you're listening as always. Today, we're going to talk about something that you are probably feeling right now because we are in the thick of the holiday season. feels like it started even earlier this year, I guess, because Thanksgiving is late. We had to start getting the Christmas sale papers like Halloween week. <laughs> um, but the pressure of the holidays on top of what I believe we can all agree on are just busy lives, right? Like we're all busy. I've never talked to someone who didn't say they were busy. Like most of us, that's our standard answer. How are you? I'm busy. Like we have such busy lives and then the holidays piled on top of that. Like busyness is a thing, y'all. It's a thing. And today what we're going to do is we're going to try to get to the heart of what's behind all this busyness. And my hope is that by kind of navigating, digging into what's going on in our hearts when we're busy and when we're too busy especially, by digging into that, we'll be able to find some extra margin this holiday season. We'll be able to stop and look at some of what we do and say with a clear head, you know what, maybe I can take that off of my plate and feel more freedom to actually enjoy the holidays or even beyond the holidays to enjoy our lives because we're not so sucked up into busyness. So that's my goal for today. This is actually going to be a two-part podcast. Today, we're going to talk about kind of the backstory on busyness and what I believe God wants for us in terms of a work-life balance or work-rest balance. And then in the second part of this episode, we're going to talk about the heart. What is going on in our hearts when we're busy? And there's four main things there. And I don't know if you've ever heard it broken down like this before. There's four main things. And I really hope you listen to that episode too, because that's what's important, right? Is getting in to the root issue so we can actually find a solution. But first, I want to start off by just being super honest with you. Some of this story I've shared before in other podcasts or maybe sprinkled into several different other podcast episodes. But y'all, I'm a work junkie. I mean, if you want to label me a workaholic, that's fine. Like I love to work. So I didn't meet my husband until I was 30. And I worked on Capitol Hill and I worked for nonprofits. I ran political campaigns. I loved to work. And 
I thought that work meant more work and more work is what made me happy. That's what made me tick. I enjoyed it. If I was already busy, like I was one of those people where you could give me more to do because I would somehow, in my mind at least, feel like I did better if I had more to do. Maybe some of you can relate to that. I'm an all or nothing person. Like inertia is going and I can do all the things or inertia is absent and I can do nothing. Okay, that's that's just the way I work. I've had lots of jobs. Where I've worked long hours. Uh, when I finally got what I would consider a regular job, I worked for a great organization called the National Fatherhood Initiative as their vice president of development and communications for a number of years. It was more of like an eight to five, eight to six job. And so that wasn't enough for me. So I had to get a part-time job teaching aerobics because I thought I needed to be busier. And friends, if you had talked to me at any point in my 20s or really up until my early 30s, I would have told you that I was busy, right? And then I got married. Oh, y'all, getting married, it added just a little bit to the busyness equation, right? Because then I had this responsibility to make dinner and we shared the cleaning, but but dinner was mine. And I felt like I didn't have the free time I used to have because I was expected to spend time with my husband. And anyway, then I felt even more busy, right? And so if you had met me in those first year, first really two years that we got married, I would have told you I was busy. I was still working full time and now taking care of a husband and taking care of a household, I was busy. And then I had a baby and some of you are smiling right now because you know, babies change everything, right? It's so cliche to say, you think you're busy and then you have a baby and you're like the busyness quotient just explodes. So in my life, I had this demanding job still. I had a husband and then I had this even more demanding newborn who didn't let me sleep all night long. He really didn't seem to care if I was trying to relax for a minute. He wanted what he wanted when he wanted it. And I really felt overwhelmed. So I got pregnant again, which was crazy and not on purpose. <laughs> but uh, we got pregnant with our second child when my first was six months old. And my busyness level uh, again escalated, right? Because now I am super busy, got the baby, got the job, got the husband. Now I got this pregnancy and all I want to do is take naps, but I've got all this pressure on me because I've got to keep all the balls in the air. And I cracked. I was crying a lot. I was frustrated a lot. And I was breastfeeding my first and I stopped producing milk and we went to the doctor and he stopped growing. And, and then I was crying more, right? Because then you feel like you're failing as a mother. I can't make it work. And I told my husband that I was, I was just cracking. I couldn't take it anymore. And so my husband said to me, Eric said, well, it sounds like you really, you know, you're ready to stop working. And my reply to that was... Well, kind of, because I never really wanted to both work and be a mom. Like, I really just wanted to be a mom, but I hated to lose my job. Eric suggested that I quit, and I was like, well, wait, why, why would I quit? Like, how could I do that? I mean, I had worked years to get to the position that I held. I couldn't find anyone else, I didn't believe, at any point ever to pay me what I was making and still have the kind of flexibility I had because I worked from home at the time for a company that was in Washington, D.C. and I was in California. So I had a lot of flexibility. And then our plan was my husband was going to seminary and our plan was for me to work to pay for seminary. And I was like, if I don't work, if I don't keep 
like my job. Like, what are we going to do? You're going to have to get a job at Starbucks while you're in seminary and then we'll never see you. And this is just a whole thing. And I'm just going to have to keep all my busyness and stay, stay on the same track. And Eric said, well, pray about it. And as soon as he said that, I knew I felt the Holy Spirit tell me that I needed to quit. And I did. I did. Uh, not right away, of course. I deliberated for a while. Uh, we do that, right? We do that. Okay, God, is that really what you're saying? I think I heard that, but I'm not 100% sure that's what you want. So I'm just going to take a little bit of extra time and make sure. Um, but I had this great job. I had a great income. I had great flexibility. Loved my boss. Loved my coworkers. It was a great situation. But friends, I was a slave. Does that word surprise you? But let me tell you why. I was a slave because I couldn't stop working. The work owned me instead of vice versa. And so when I finally quit and sobbed big crocodile tears over the fact that, you know, my dream job would never be mine again and I'd never get to do all those things that I wanted to do and I was just going to be a mom, yada, yada, yada. I was super surprised to watch the way God worked. And I know I've shared this story before, but but long story short, what happened was right after I resigned and we decided we were just going to trust God with the outcome. We decided, hey, whatever God wants to do with this, we're going to be obedient. We feel like he's telling me to quit work and we're just going to trust that he's going to provide for us in seminary. Well, it was two to three weeks after I quit my job that Eric kind of accidentally found out that he was qualified for a special military medical retirement program. We were getting out of the Marine Corps, going to seminary. And what we found out actually was this program would not only pay for seminary, pay for books, give us a living stipend, and then the retirement program gave us insurance and a stipend to live on just because he was retired. You guys, we could not have imagined that God would have provided in such an abundant way. And as I think back on that story, every time I think of the truth that I almost stayed in slavery to my work, to my busyness, in truth, because I couldn't trust God, right? Like I didn't think God would actually provide. I doubted his goodness. And he showed us just the opposite. So what I want us to do today is I want us to look at Deuteronomy 5. And what Deuteronomy 5 talks about is really the difference between what it means to work as a free man and what it means to work as a slave. And so I'll be reading Deuteronomy 5.15. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. So if you have a Bible and want to follow along, great. If you're just listening, driving, whatever, that's cool too. I'll read slow so you can catch all these words. It goes like this. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Okay, so this verse obviously is talking to the Israelites who were slaves in the land of Egypt, right? Like they worked for the Egyptians, building their stuff, building the pyramids, most likely, okay? And God brought them out of Egypt with his mighty hand and outstretched arm. Like amazing story. If you don't know it, they crossed the Red Sea on dry land, okay? All kinds of miracles going on there. God provided for them over and again. And what this verse does is it reminds Reminds them that back in Egypt, they worked as slaves, but now they have the ability and God actually commands it that they take a Sabbath. So as we talk about busyness, I want you just to remember this verse and remember this key point. The distinction between a slave and a free man, and I mean free woman in that too, okay? But the distinction is 
rest. The free man can rest. He or she has the option to stop working, but the slave does not. So here's what I want us to think about today. Why do we feel like we have to do so much? Why are we slaves to our busy schedules? Why do we work so hard and keep ourselves so busy that we miss out on some of what is good, enjoyable, and dare I say, pleasurable about life? body image been bogging you down for too long, it's time to get free, my friend. Go to comparejahoo.me, take your free body image awareness quiz, you will learn amazing things, you'll get your results right away, and I think you'll have fun too, because I mean, who doesn't love to take quizzes? Go to comparejahoo.me, there's lots of great resources on that site, articles about body image and comparison, and how you can find freedom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Check it out today, right after this episode, of course. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So let's start by looking at the origin of our busy culture. You see, until the Industrial Revolution, a person's schedule was determined by nature. You couldn't work past a certain hour because it was dark. But with the advent of the light bulb, things started to change, and a culture of workaholism has extended all the way to the genius who made it so we could get our work emails at home 24 hours a day. So I had a job at a law firm in 1999, and this was before you could get your email at home and before we had cell phones. And one day my boss came in with these things called Nextel phones. Now, some of you might remember this. I think the company's defunct now. But these things were like walkie-talkies, okay? So they would just come on no matter what you were doing. And my boss was a bit of an egomaniac. Uh, If I had known the word narcissist back then, I would have used it. Okay, that's what this guy was. He was prone to firing employees who weren't at his beck and call 24-7. So I was lucky enough to receive one of these Nextel phones. And y'all, I'd be at a dinner and all of a sudden I'd hear my boss's voice from my purse. Uh, Heather, Heather, uh, where are you? I need a status report on the uh, top 10 contributors this month. And oh, you guys, it was awful. (laughs) The day I quit that job, that was a very good day. Some people think that we're busy because of the Protestant work ethic, right? Generally, our culture has a work hard so you can play hard attitude. Like our music touts how we work for the weekends. I won't sing for you, but you can imagine, you know the song, right? Um, Everybody's working for the weekend. Many put in 40 or 50 years of work with what end goal? 
Well, the end goal is that they can live in a cabana. Well, maybe you don't want to live in a cabana, but sit in a cabana, at least in Florida, for their last few decades of life. Like, we hear mantras like, every idle moment is treason. Um, It feels criminal to waste your time. Working is one surefire way that we know we're not wasting it. We rest only because we need to so that we can do more work. Have you ever felt that way? Lately, there's been a resurgence of a different kind of ethic, though, a leisure-centered ethic, where instead of resting so that we can work more, we work so we can take vacations. The Greeks and Romans live this way, which can best be characterized as working so you can rest. But here's the bottom line. Work is good and necessary, and rest is good and necessary. So we need to be able to find a way to make these two concepts live peaceably together in our lives, really so we don't die of heart attacks at age 45, right? Because the Bible commands us to both work and rest. In Proverbs, we read verses like, consider the ant, how he works, and we're shown that we should be diligent little workers, right? Thessalonians, Paul warns us against idleness. He talks about how he labored, toiled night and day. He commands those who are idle to work. But then there's this fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. We know that God rests. Rest is godly because rest is God-like. It's something he does or did on the seventh day. So what do we do? Well, we work for the glory of God and we rest for the glory of God too. And our goal is much more than the buzzword like work-life balance. Our goal then needs to be God's glory. So how do we do this? Well, this is a crazy, simple concept, but it's so on point. And I borrowed this from a pastor and author named Tim Chester. He's written on this concept, and I think you would enjoy reading what he's written if this is a topic that interests you. But but this is this is the concept. You ready for this? You might want to write this down. We work six days and we rest on seven. Okay, you've heard that before maybe? I'm not trying to over-trivialize this at all, but the Bible actually gives us the perfect prescription for work-life balance. So here's the question. Some of you are thinking, I'm still busy. I don't think I can actually do that. Or maybe you're trying to do that. But you realize the truth that like, even when you're not at work, there's still stuff to do. Or there's children. I mean, I don't know about you, but my children don't understand that I'm taking a Sabbath day so they shouldn't get a stomach bug on a Sunday because that's mommy's day off. Like it just doesn't work that way, right? Or they don't decide that they can fast all day because mommy needs to take a Sabbath and a break from making meals. Work emails still come on weekends. Monday deadlines still hang on our shoulders like heavy cloaks with no coat check room to drop them in. Culturally, the concept of taking a rest day each week is is almost absurd. Although annually, the statistics of the number of people who don't use all their vacation days is astonishing. Most of us spend 50 weeks of the year working to binge rest during our two-week vacation. So I grew up with a slightly adjusted version of this pattern. In my family, this is the way we lived, which I believe is part of my struggle not to repeat the same pattern because this is what I learned. This was my normal. But my dad was in private practice. He's an optometrist. And so what he'd do is he'd work for three months straight, and then we'd go on 
vacation. Every quarter, we'd take a trip of some sort. Now, these weren't exotic trips, okay? We drove everywhere. In fact, I didn't even get on an airplane until I was 21 years old, okay? So, so don't picture anything too glamorous, but we'd drive to one of his conferences, and maybe we'd have to go to New York City or Philadelphia. We'd drive to the beach in Delaware. I grew up in Pennsylvania. We'd go camping. Uh, yes, I camped. Uh, not tent camping. Um, we had a trailer with a bathroom and shower, but I did camp. Um, and this is the pattern that I grew up with as normal. You work hard for a certain period of time, and then you take a vacation. For some of you, it might be different. Some of you might be trying to balance out your work over a lifetime. And you can see this in people all the time too, where they overwork for 50 years and then they retire. And unfortunately, when they retire, they kind of take the mindset that this is their time to do nothing and they live idle in retirement. And we know this doesn't work. Actually, all the data shows that if you do that, if you work hard for 50 years and then stop and do nothing, that kills people faster than anything. We need some level of productivity even in our senior years, to stay sharp, to stay active, to stay healthy. So the truth is, we are made, our bodies are created to work and to rest. But the six days of work, one day of rest pattern is the only sustainable way, the only healthy way to do it. All others aren't. So I get it. You probably are thinking, okay, Heather, I know I should rest. But have you seen my to-do list? Have you seen my calendar? I've got like three kids in select sports and we've got responsibilities at church and we got all the things and oh yeah now it's Christmas and I've got all these parties and decorating and gifts to buy and and just so much on my plate what do I do maybe you feel like you just need one more hour a day right or 30 more minutes a day like what do you do how can you find freedom from the slavery of busyness I have three points for you today, and I hope that these will help you in a practical way. And I'm going to share the first with you right after this break. So the first way that we can find freedom from the slavery of busyness is this. We need to remember that God doesn't expect us to do more than we can do. So if you have your Bible, you can look at Luke. It's the story of Mary and Martha, and most of you know it. You may know it well. And if you're like me, if you're an extra ultra dose of Martha, then you probably don't love this passage very much because some of us have been taught this passage as some sort of primer on type A people being bad right? We've heard this story as God appreciated Mary more than he appreciated Martha because Mary rested and Martha worked too hard and was worried about silly things, right? But today, I want you to read it with me with some different eyes, and I want you to hear a gentleness in Jesus's tone, not a condemnation for Martha's busyness, but a care and understanding. So the passage is Luke 10 verses 38 to 42, and it goes like this. This is the ESV. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. I think the first thing that we can see here is that when Jesus says Martha, Martha, it's not a scolding like maybe you were taught in Sunday school or in church along the way. I think it's really love, 
knocking at the door of her heart. He's saying, Martha, you're worried about many things, but few things are needed, indeed only one. And he's showing her that Mary chose what's better. She chose something that will last. So friend, my first question for you today is, is Jesus knocking at your heart saying, whatever your name is for me, it would be Heather, Heather. You're worried about so many things, but is all this necessary, right? I mean, can you ask yourself that question today and answer honestly? Is everything that you're busy with necessary? I know there's a lot of good things out there, but have you narrowed your schedule, narrowed narrowed your to-do list down to what is not just good, but what is best? Here's something about busyness that I hate to admit to because it's been a thing for me, but busyness can be a smokescreen for an empty life. Okay, now you would think, oh, if you're busy, then you've got a really full life, right? But busyness is a way that we can hide, right? We can avoid relationships because we're so busy. And I don't know if you've met a person like this, like I can think of a few, but it's like they keep people away because you don't want to approach them because they're just so busy. And their answer for everything is I'm so busy. And their attitude is you just, you know, don't ask me, don't talk to me, don't approach me because I'm just so busy. And, you know, sometimes I want to be to that person like, okay, honey, like we all got a lot going on. Just why do you think that you're busier than the rest of us? Um, but I don't engage in that conversation. But I think that one thing we can glean from the story of Mary and Martha is, is why is Martha avoiding sitting at Jesus' feet? And maybe it's not that she's avoiding. Maybe it's that just the busyness is distracting her. But one alternative way to think about this is, is Martha's heart so distracted that she really might feel some emptiness that she's trying to fill in an unhealthy way by making everything perfect. Hey there, how much is freedom worth to you? That's kind of an odd question, right? When I was in the midst of my struggle with disordered eating and body image, I would have paid anything I had to be free. Truth is, I spent a lot of my budget on things I thought could help me be free, like new diets, exercise gizmos, clothing, but none of those things really helped. I'm so grateful that God showed me the way out. And now I'm passionate about helping others find their way out too. I want them to know that Jesus already paid it all. They don't have to spend another cent to find the freedom they really desire. But truth is, it does cost me something to get this message out, compared to who can't spread the message of Jesus' offer of freedom without the help of women like you. Would you consider making a contribution? Check out Compared to Who's Patreon page at patreon.com slash compared to who. Then prayerfully consider giving $1 or $5 a month, whatever you can to help. Any amount you'd be willing to donate would be a huge blessing and will go directly towards covering the operating expenses of this ministry. Thank you for being a part of seeing other women set free from the chains of body image and comparison. May God bless your generosity. And in the next episode, we're going to talk about perfection and the role that that plays in our busyness. Just contextually, so think about this. So it's Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. There's these two single sisters and their brother, and later Lazarus will be raised from the dead, so we get to see this family again. But Jesus is in the neighborhood, okay? So 
if you heard that the most important guy in your town or maybe your pastor or someone you really respect is in town and is coming to your house, okay, like let's be honest. For most of us, you're going to start preparing, right? You're going to think, okay, I want everything to be nice. And, and some of that is good. Like some of the heart behind why we want Christmas to be nice, why we want to decorate, why we want our Thanksgiving table to be pretty, like some of that is good and healthy. It's because we want to honor others, because we want to bless others, right? Not all stress in our lives is negative, right? And in fact, sometimes we stress ourselves out over things that are truly positive, right? If Jesus was coming to your house, like that'd be a great thing. But positive or negative, stress is stress. It has an impact on us. So Mary has this amazing ability to not see Jesus' coming as an opportunity to stress out. She sees it as an opportunity to just be with someone she loves. Okay, I don't know if I know anyone like this, honestly. If you're like this, please send me a message and tell me your secret, right? But most of us, I think, are more apt to have the Jesus is coming, I need to make everything awesome. And then we can sit together in some sort of, you know, perfect setting. And then it'll be even more awesome. Martha in this situation, like she cannot sit down. Her mind is racing. What are we going to eat? What am I going to serve? This has to be great. She's distracted by all the preparations that have to be made. And so what she says, she feels like this is unfair. Like Mary should want to serve the Lord in the same way that she does. And so she says, Lord, like, don't you even care that I've got to do this all alone? And actually the Greek word in that verse is the word for distracted. Mary's distracted. She has too much on her plate. She's distracted in preparation. And the Greek word here in preparation, it means the same word as our word deacon, someone who meets practical needs. And what's interesting here is Martha's lament to Jesus is like, don't you care? And it's funny because it's kind of the same thing that the disciples said to Jesus when they were in the storm, right? Like, don't you care, Jesus? We're going to die. Like, why don't you care about us? And what I think is interesting is that when we're stressed, I do this. I don't know if you do this, but when we're stressed, isn't that what we do? right? Isn't that what stressed Christians do? We start demanding of God. God, can't you see how bad this is? Why don't you do this to fix it? Why don't you tell this person to do this to make my life easier, to make it better for me, right? That's our stress reaction as Christians. Not sure it's the best reaction, so let's see what else we can learn here. The other thing to notice about stress is stress makes us more critical of others. We don't keep our stress to ourselves. We take our stress and we look at what everyone else is doing and we decide that we have a better plan for them. Now, I don't know about you, but when I used to prepare for company to come over, I was the crazy cleanup lady and I've blogged about this and it's actually one of my most popular blog posts of all time because I think so many people can relate to it. But you're just kind of frustrated with your whole family and you know, I, I used to like declare areas like off limits, which is something my mom used to do where it's like, don't go into the bathroom. It's already been cleaned. Don't touch the kitchen counters. They're clean. And what stress can do is it makes you critical of others because, right, it's like all of a sudden my husband's a bad guy because he's still sitting on the couch watching football and he's not getting up to help me in my crazy frantic stress state to keep everything or excuse me, to make everything ready for the people that are coming over, right? And so I'm angry at him. And I think that's kind of what happened with Mary and Martha, right? Martha's like, err. I can't believe you, sister. You don't see my stressed out, like, flurry. Why aren't you helping me? But what Mary was doing is actually something really unusual, right? Like, women were taught the Torah 
At this time, they were taught the law. Um, they were taught the word, but they were never able to sit at the feet of a rabbi, right? So this is unusual that Mary would sit at Jesus's feet. But Martha didn't really care. <laughs> she was just mad that Mary wasn't helping her, right? And you can probably get that. So here's what I think we need to take away from this. Whenever you feel like Martha in this scenario, we need to recognize that we are being slaves to our busyness and we're not free. You're not free if you have to criticize what everyone else is doing. You're not free if your joy, if your contentment depends on what everyone else is doing, right? Because you actually don't have any control over that. You're not free if you're not able to answer the call of Jesus to your heart to worship. You're not free if you're distracted by many things. You're not free if you're demanding of God and telling him what you want him to do and how you want him to do it. You're not free if you think you have to do it alone. And oh, friends, aren't we women guilty of this, right? Actually, it was so funny. I was teaching a class yesterday. It was seven and eight-year-olds. And I was trying to encourage this little girl to ask her friends for help. She didn't know the answer to the question. And I said, just ask your friends for help. I mean, it was a no-pressure situation. They could do team play or all that answer alone. And this little girl was like, I don't ask for help. I won't ask for help. I don't ask for help. And I was like, but you don't know the answer, sweetheart. You're going to have to ask for help. You don't have any other option. You have to ask for help. Nope. Nope. Audrey, don't ask for help. <laughs> and I, I was just like, oh, my goodness. Do we start that young with this attitude of we can't ask for help? We can't get help. We have to do it on our own. Friends, here's what I want us to remember as we close today's episode. Our busyness so often rests in things that we have taken upon ourselves as important to our livelihood, important to our survival, important to our contentment, important to our joy, and they really aren't. And that's what we're going to talk about in the next episode, like how to dig through some of that hard stuff. But I mean, just think about what's happening with Mary and Martha. Okay, Martha is worried about feeding the man who just fed 5,000 plus people with two loaves of bread and some fish. Okay, was it really appropriate that Martha stressed out over dinner? I think Jesus could have handled it. But Martha couldn't sit at the feet of Jesus because she was so worried about something that Jesus could have easily taken care of. How much of your busyness is related to something that Jesus could take care of? I told you the story at the beginning. I almost remained in a state of way too much crazy busyness because I didn't think Jesus could take care of our finances. I thought I had to keep my job. It was all on me. How much of your busyness is related to this over-responsibility and over-sense of, of, I've got to take care of it. If I don't do it, no one else will. Are you willing to ask for help from others? But also, are you willing to ask for help from Jesus? I mean, in some cases, we just need to humble ourselves and say, God, I need your help. I can't do it alone. That, my friends, is when we start to find freedom from work as slavery and start to experience work as something that can fulfill us in ways that God intended, right? Something that can bring us joy and make us feel satisfied in, in our toil, in our effort. When I started the story of Mary and Martha, I started with the headline, if you will, that God doesn't expect us to do more than we can. And let me just close today by kind of filling that out a little bit. You see, God knows exactly how he created you and how he created me. 
and I'd be remiss if I didn't say this, but we do have different amounts that we can accomplish in the same 24 hours. And that's not a bad thing. Don't look down on people who can't accomplish as much as you do. Likewise, don't be envious of someone who can accomplish a whole lot more than you can each day. Life is not a competition of who can do the most things every day or every week. He's called each of us to certain purposes, and he empowers us with the grace and the strength that we need to accomplish whatever that purpose is. So for some people, this is a greater volume of work every day. And for other people, I mean, especially depending on what season you're in, goodness gracious, when I had little kids at home, I mean, really just making it through the day with getting everyone a nap time and getting everyone fed, that was all I could accomplish every day. And that's okay. So I read stories of these high capacity people who wake up at 4 a.m. and start their day. And I feel like a slacker. I roll out of bed sometime after seven most mornings. But then I let my mind go to this bad place of comparison. And I daydream about all I could get done if only I would wake up at 4 a.m. and start writing. Like I could have a zillion books written and all the planning I could accomplish. But yet here's the truth. I like to and I need to sleep a full nine hours. I have an autoimmune disorder, so that doesn't help me. But I need my sleep. And without it, I don't get anything done. God has not given me the grace to get up at 4 a.m. every day and get it done that way. That's just not how he's working in my life. And that's okay. Likewise, friends, I think we need to lose this must finish it all mentality. So I had this employee once and she was so great. I mean, just a great worker. And so I promoted her from being my administrative assistant into a management job. She ran what was kind of essentially like our organization's bookstore. So she had to put out a catalog, fill orders, make sure that titles stayed in stock and oversee the production and creation of new products. There was a lot to do in her new job. So one day after she'd been at it for a few months, I stopped by her office. I had a big conference I was running later that week, and so I was working really late. But it was unusual to see her there after 7 p.m. So I went into her office, and I was like, Hannah, how's it going? Like, why don't you go home? You look so tired. And she, on the verge of tears, replied, but Heather, I can't. I don't have everything done yet. Well, what did I say to her? I mean, she worked for me. I was her boss. So I guess I could have been upset. Like, why don't you have everything done yet? But no, instead, I revealed to her the truth. And I said this. I said, Anna, you are a manager now. You will never, ever, ever have a day when you get it all done. Friends, you are the managers of your life. Like God is your big boss, but he has entrusted to you this one life for you to manage. And he gives you all the grace you need for getting it done or not getting it all done every day too. It's okay to go to bed. It's okay to rest when you're tired. Take a nap. I do it, friends. I have to do it. Take your Sabbath. It doesn't have to be on Sunday, but set aside a day when you won't work. You determine what work is. If you enjoy cooking, then that's not work. Like to me, cooking's not work. I enjoy cooking. Laundry is work. I won't do laundry on my Sabbath. I won't write. I won't speak. I won't put out a podcast on my Sabbath because that's work too. Decide what it is for you and make some time sacred. If you're not getting your quiet time in every day, if you're not getting your Bible reading in and your prayer time or any time with God, then set aside that Sabbath for sure as the one day of the week you will definitely get it in. And maybe you can spend a more extended time in the word praying on that day. Take a walk, do something relaxing, but set aside one day each week 
where you're going to do some of that stuff. Now, we like to talk about self-care a lot. This is the new buzzword, self-care. You got to take care of yourself. If you don't take care of yourself, who else will? Like all that. Some of that's fine and good. But friends, if you're not taking care of your spiritual life, there's nothing you can do to take care of yourself that will be healthy and effective, right? If you're not reconnecting with God, you're going to stay on the stress crazy train. Okay, God commands us to take a Sabbath, not a spa day. And there's a difference. Spa days are awesome. I love the spa. Don't hear me wrong. But you can go to the spa all day and not be taking a Sabbath because you're missing out on reconnecting with God. And if God's not the source of your energy, it doesn't matter how busy you are or how clear your calendar is going to be. You're going to be stressed out, overworked, and a slave to your busyness. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but I really hope you listen to the second part of this episode and we'll dig into what the heart issues are behind busyness. I'll catch you there. Thanks for listening. Hey friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. Dedicating time each day to spend feeding our minds and our hearts the truth of God's Word is immensely helpful in our growth as followers of Christ. I'm John Stonge, and each day I host a show called Daily Devotions with Pastor John. On the show, I spend just a few minutes taking an applicational look at one or two verses of Scripture before coming to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to make a habit of spending more time meditating on the truth of God's Word, you can listen to Daily Devotions with Pastor John at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.